Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Jordan Malley along with Matt Peck. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow, Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked On Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, we have a great guest here and someone that, if you're still a Locked On listener, if you've been a Locked On listener for a long time, we've got former Locked On Bulls host and writer for The Athletic, uh, Sean Hyken, joining us for a conversation and interview today. Get his thoughts on what he's seen from the Bulls so far, the Nico trade, and so much more. But before we do that, got to welcome Matt Peck back. Hopefully he's doing a little bit better than he was a couple days ago when I heard him. Uh, he said he couldn't even talk at one point. So I was holding the, holding down the fort on Wednesday and Thursday, but What's up, Matt? How you feeling? Yeah, Jordan. Thanks for holding down the fort on our uh, Wednesday and Thursday episodes. Um, really enjoyed the Oliver Maroney chat. That was great. Yeah. Uh, good news. Don't have strep throat, uh, but bad news. Whatever bug I got, man, uh, it has been brutal. I've been drinking way more tea than I would care to. I'm a coffee guy. Uh, so I've been very upset about the quantity of tea that I've been drinking over the last 72 hours. Uh, but Feeling feeling well enough to uh, to hop on the mics with our buddy Sean Hyken and uh, and get his thoughts on what the Bulls are doing and the Nico trade, like you said. Um, so yeah, thanks for holding it down in the in the middle of the week, and I'm happy to be back, man. Hey, guess what? We traded Nico, yay! And the funniest part and the greatest part of of this all is the Bulls got way more than either of us ever thought they were going to get for him. Like even with the guests that we brought on from Danny Parkins to David Kaplan to Casey Johnson to even Nick Friedel all the way back at the end of December, we talked about the value that Nico has around the league and what the bulls could possibly get for him. And I don't think anybody really imagined that they were going to get a pick somewhere between, you know, 12 and 20 this season with only a top five protection on that pick. Like I think the bulls, the bulls in this deal made out. And I think I talked about it yesterday about the Omar Marashi contract and how the bulls can stretch that out over five years, 2.9 million a year. So that could play a factor in their cap flexibility as well. I just think, even having to include that second round pick and take on Tony Allen's money and Jameer Nelson's money for the 30 games or so of the end of this season. I think this was a great deal for the bulls. Yeah. I think you have to give credit in two directions for this deal. First, you do have to credit the bulls front office for achieving what they set out to do when they realized that trading Nico was 
you know, basically their only option. They said we're not going to trade him just to trade him, but he wanted to be moved. Paxson said yesterday that he and and Nico's management never wavered in their desire for, you know, uh, a fresh start, a change of scenery. So they had to trade him. And they said, all right, well, the goal is to get a first-round draft pick. And as you mentioned, you know, with, with everyone we've talked to over the past couple of months since the Bobby-Nico fight went down, and talking about where he might go and what he might bring in a trade, you you have to say that the Bulls come out looking good in this. The front office achieved what they wanted to, to achieve, which was getting a first-round pick for Nico, and probably a higher first-round pick than you or I or most anticipated. I was thinking, you know, maybe, you know, somewhere in the early 20s, maybe a back-end first-round pick, something closer to 30, and you take what you can get for him. And... It you know okay so they had to send away a second round pick to convince the Pelicans to pick up Nico's option fine you know this is an example of me not being upset by the Bulls you know devaluing second round picks that if if that's what is needed to make this trade happen I'm fine with it second you have to give credit to Nico himself and you know I've railed against Nico a lot on this podcast I've been saying sell high. I'm not convinced that this version of Nico we're seeing since he came back this season is the is the version you'll see throughout for throughout even the remainder of this season or perhaps the extent of his career. But what he did accomplish and you know some of his thoughts that I thought were interesting were that he felt slighted by some people within the organization, he felt slighted by the fan base, it kind of seemed to take Bobby's side in this whole mess. He used that as motivation after a summer where he was already motivated to improve his game, to strengthen his body, to come back bigger and better than ever. And he backed that up after a horrible roadblock and a horrible obstacle of having a broken face. He backed that up and he played the best basketball of his NBA career uh, since he came back. And he was a big reason that the bulls all of a sudden looked like a winning basketball team. And so Nico increased his trade value and the bulls were able to get a higher asset in return than we all thought possible because Nico played at a higher level than any of us had ever seen. And you have to give him credit for that. And look, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad this mess is all over and done with, but you have to credit the front office and you have to credit Nico for turning a guy whose free agency value was essentially zip less than a year ago into a guy who netted the the, the bulls, a first round pick that could be as high as the mid teens. That's a win. That's a win for Nico. It's a win for the front office. Look at you giving Nico Miritich some credit. Look at you. Look how far you've come. You know what? Maybe it's just because I'm feeling weak because I'm still getting over whatever this crud (laughs) is. It's got me down. Maybe I'm feeling like a softy right now. But hey, you have to give the guy credit. If okay, and again, the reason I'm giving Nico credit is because he earned himself higher trade value. And from the perspective of a Bulls fan who wanted to see him moved and wanted to see the Bulls get a first-round draft pick for him, good job, buddy. You did your part in that. Congratulations. Yeah, and that's what I said yesterday when I was kind of breaking this down and giving my initial reaction. I said, you know, it's a it's a twofold thing here. It's one, he improved his 
trade stock to go to a team that's competitive enough to make a playoff push in a place where he could start and have legitimate minutes is what something he wanted to do. And then in the second part of it is he did something good for the Chicago Bulls. He turned his value, like you had said, from zero into a first round pick. And so he helped the Bulls out too. And for the fans that were fans of Nico Miritich um, and are sad to see him go and the fans that were kind of done with him and wanted the Bulls to get as much as they could out of him while he was here. And they did just as that. And so they got the best value that they could possibly have. But just as we're recording this, I wanted to throw this out there to you before we get to our interview with Sean Hyken. Um, So the Celtics have agreed to sign Greg Monroe to a one-year $5 million deal, according to Woj of ESPN. So how do you think that changes the market for Robin Lopez? Obviously, DeAndre Jordan's still going to be shopped up until the trade deadline. We got exactly, exactly a week, maybe a little bit less than a week till the deadline. How do you think that shifts the market for Robin Lopez? I'm I'm not sure it necessarily shifts it a whole lot. Um, and, you know, we talk about this with Hyken in the interview that we're about to play for you guys. But I think that Lopez, as a traditional center, you know, the, the, the trade market value for those kind of players just isn't really what it used to be in today's NBA. And... You know, it's it's interesting to see a guy like Monroe go to a contender like Boston and wonder exactly where he'll fit into their rotation. Whereas it, because, you know, that was the Pelicans. That was the other team that was really looking to be gunning for Monroe services. And they offered him the starting center role. Uh, and uh, and he chose to, you know, to sign with a, a more legitimate playoff contender instead. But as far as Rolo, I, I'm still, look, the Bulls will probably be making some calls just to see what, if anything, they can get for him. Maybe a second round, an early second round pick, or maybe taking on a bad contract and getting a young player, uh, you know, under team control for the next couple of years, like they tried to do last season. But I, unless that deal is what the Bulls consider to be above Lopez's trade market value, I don't think they move him because I think that they really value his leadership on this team. And I mean, I think you can still keep Lopez on this roster without worrying about putting the tank in jeopardy because clearly with this losing streak in Dunn's absence and Markin and missing a couple of games and now trading off Nico, who was your leading scorer coming off the bench, no less, this Bulls team is going to go back to their losing ways that started the season. And that's what Paxson and Garforman want. They want that lottery pick. So I don't think keeping Lopez really puts that in jeopardy. And I think they value his character so much so that unless the deal for Lopez is like way too good to be true, then he stays here. And I think it's far more likely that he stays here. Yeah. The only thing that I was kind of curious about, and I wonder if the Bulls make calls is to Charlotte. So apparently over the last 12 hours or so, there has been some inquiry from the Milwaukee Bucks about Malik Monk. And so I thought about this as like, okay, if, if the Bucks have the assets to move Malik, to move on Malik Monk and hopefully maybe push Charlotte to a playoff contention team, which seems like they're trying to push themselves into the playoffs this year. Um, the loss of Cody Zeller for the season was big for them. I wonder if there would be some type of motivation if, you know, Malik Monk's been up and down. He's he's had inconsistent minutes all year, and he's been inconsistent as a player. But he was somebody I liked in this draft, uh, this last past draft in 2017. 
you think there would be any type of deal in which the Bulls could send somebody like Robin Lopez in or Justin Holiday or Jerry and Grant in a combination to take on maybe a contract like Marvin Williams and then get Malik Monk in, included in that? And so I had that kind of idea. I wonder if they're going to make a call to Charlotte and see what's up with that. Because if if Charlotte's willing to at least listen on deals for Malik Monk at this point, and that was some player that maybe the Bulls had some inclination about drafting, maybe that's a guy that they go and call about. I'm not saying that a deal would be in place or anything like that, but maybe at least call and see what, what Charlotte would want in return for a guy like Malik Monk, who's only 19, played great at Kentucky, just been inconsistent all year. Yeah, it's certainly conceivable. Um, and, you know, something that Bulls fans should, you know, make themselves aware of and remind themselves is that Paxson said when he was, you know, breaking down the Nico trade in a press conference with the with uh, Chicago media yesterday that they are not necessarily done. And uh, Casey Johnson, among others, reported yesterday that according to several league sources, the Bulls are still, quote, very active as far as, making calls, taking calls, uh, and we still have six or, you know, six and a half days uh, until this trade deadline uh, is finalized. So we, we might still see them. You know, and another, another thing is, yeah, they, you know, they're planning on waiving Tony Allen and the initial reports that where they were also going to waive Jameer Nelson, who they also got in the Ashik uh, for Nico deal. And maybe, now we're hearing, now nah, they're not going to wave Nelson. Well, is that because they're going to hold out done a little bit longer and they want another guy in that backcourt? Or maybe is it because Paxson is, you know, thinking instead of waving a guy, let's keep him around at least until the deadline because maybe we can turn around and use him again in a different trade. So I, it, it's definitely still a matter of waiting to see what the Bulls do. If they do anything, we still have a week and... You know, um, and, and you know, Hyken says this in our interview that we'll play for you here in a second. Maybe they do nothing. Maybe they got the Nico deal done and that was priority 1A and they're going to, you know, be happy to sit from here on out. But based on everything we're hearing as far as the Bulls activity of this front office, they might not be done. Yeah, I think I'm I'm leaning towards more of the latter in that they're not done. And even Woj tweeted out la- la- late last night that the Bulls were still very active in talks w- of trades among teams. So obviously putting their feelers out there too as well. But I think that's it, it's a legitimate case too. And maybe maybe they're they're waiting on maybe moving Jameer Nelson or figuring out what they want to do for the 30 games. Um, and maybe the impact of Cameron Payne coming back after the all-star break would be more of an incentive to try and move him away or he ultimately getting waived. Same thing with Tony Allen. So ultimately maybe they're, they're going to package those guys to along with a guy like Robin Lopez or Justin holiday or Jerry and Grant, who they talked about before. Um, so definitely will be interesting. I still think the bulls might have one more deal up their sleeves. So I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see maybe who does move ultimately if Robin Lopez does stay here, I'm not going to be the worst. I'm not going to be mad at all. I mean, what he's done for the bulls as far as leadership, and he's really the only guy you have to be able to play center. I mean, you got Omer Sheik, but how much can he really actually do and how much can he actually really play out there for you in a night and Christiana get destroy. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked Jordan a little politicking I see politics in the mayor's future oh, a and destroy it looks like a mayor got shot <laughs> my goodness oh, mayor got a little acting award there 
That was a nice little, nice little flop there. If nothing else, I'm stoked for Stacy King. He's got one of his favorite commentary guys back. The, you know, the Super Bowl from Istanbul, Turkish Hammer, Turkish Delight. So many great Stacy calls about Amerishik, baby. I love it. Love it. All right. Without further ado, let's get our inter- to our interview with Sean Hyken, former Locked On Bulls host here and former beat Bulls beat writer for The Athletics. So here it is, Sean Hyken. Our guest today needs no introduction. You all know him. One of the OGs of the Locked On Bulls podcast, uh, formerly covering the Bulls beat for The Athletic here in Chicago. He's Sean Hyken. You know him. You love him. Sean, what's going up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. What's going on with you guys? It's good to be back. Yeah, well, fans have been clamoring for it, and we are happy to uh, have you back on. We'll have to get Cody back on in the near future as well. Maybe we can do like a four-person roundtable at some point. But for now, look, we don't need to talk about the fact that your Portland Trailblazers wiped the floor with the Bulls uh, earlier this week. CJ McCollum, my God. Um, let's get right to what everybody wants to know. Sean, your initial reaction to the Nico trade and specifically whether it was a win-win, you know, one of those trades where, Hey, it, you know, it helped both teams or you think the bulls got the better end of the deal or the shorter end of the deal. Your thoughts. I actually think it was a pretty good trade for both teams. I mean, if if you look at what both teams really wanted out of the trade, you know, the, the Pelicans, you know, they, they just lost DeMarcus Cousins for the season, obviously, with that awful Achilles injury that is really unfortunate. They need front court depth. They need somebody else who can score in order to take some pressure off of Anthony Davis. So they get that. They get off of the Omer Oshik contract. So I think, it's, I think it works out pretty well for them. And then, you know, the Bulls, they had been hoping to get a first-round pick for Nico. You know, the Asha contract is not great to have on their books, but it's not something. It's not like they're going to try to do anything in free agency this summer or next summer. Uh, I, you know, I, it's, I, think it, I think it's fine. Like, uh, you know, they get a first-round pick for it. It's, you know, it's top four protected, but the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs probably, so that's not even really going to enter into it. So, you know, they're going to have their own pick, which is obviously going to be a really good pick. It's going to be probably top five. And then they're also going to have a pick that's either going to be weight lottery or, you know, 15, 16, 17 in there. So, you know, if you're rebuilding, you want to add young guys. There's no downside to having more picks. So I think that was about as good as they were going to do with the Nico trade. Yeah, I thought, too, when talking about just possibilities of where Nico could go, um, outside of the Pelicans, we Matt and I for the last few weeks were tossing around around the ideas not only between ourselves but all the guests that we brought on, um, and the consensus sounded like the Bulls would be winning this trade if they got a pick anywhere between twenty and thirty, and obviously this pick is way higher. Um, is there a concern? I, I know there has been some chatter around Bulls Twitter um, and Bulls fans in general about the growing concern about selling second round picks or having. Um, I guess no real reservation about just giving away second round picks. Obviously in this deal, I felt like if, if that was the the crutch, if they, that was the reason why the Pelicans wanted to pick up that second year option and they wanted that second round pick thrown in there, um, it was a good move. But is there, do you have any concerns about the Bulls track record of giving up picks, second round picks in general uh, over the last 10 years? Well, it's not great. And I mean, I've certainly made as many Jordan Bell jokes as anybody else has, as anybody who follows me on Twitter knows. But we don't like talking about this, Jordan Bell on this podcast, Sean. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but in this, but in this case, uh, you know, th- there was a reason that they were going to do it. You know, 
the, the trade was going to go through without one a couple days ago, and then Nico decided he didn't want to do it because they weren't going to pick up his option. And so the Pelicans needed a little bit of extra incentive to pick up his option for next year in order for the trade to go through. So in that case, you know, I, I think it's fine. Now, I, I, you know, I, in general, I don't love, you know, giving up second round picks, especially in the, you know, like, I think the most egregious one was the one that they gave up in the Taj Gibson Cameron Payne trade last year, where it's like, okay, you give up the two best players in the trade, and then you also give up a second round pick. I didn't understand that one, but if you really, really, really want a second round pick, you can usually find someone to sell you one. Like, you know, you know, the Warriors really wanted a second round pick. I mean, I hate to go back to this, but, you know, they, 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 they were talking to different teams about buying a second round pick. They ended up getting one for the Bulls. If the Bulls really, really like someone in the second round, they will probably be able to uh, buy a pick off of somebody. Like, I, 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 th- I think, you know, it's fun to joke about it. It's, you know, it's one of those things that's just like it's, it's a trend. It's something you'd rather they not do, but I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. We're talking with Sean Hyken, former host of our Locked on Bulls podcast here. You can follow him on Twitter at Hyken. Uh, Sean, you mentioned the, the, the fact that the Bulls sending a second rounder back to New Orleans in this deal isn't the worst example of the Bulls undervaluing second round picks and that they if they really want one can probably buy one back at some point to that end it sounded like from John Paxson's comments when he held a press conference with Chicago media yesterday that he you know he mentioned multiple times that hey we still have about a week or so to go before that deadline we might not necessarily be done obviously other names have been thrown out there as far as moves the Bulls might look to make you know, exploring the trade market value for guys like Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday, maybe even Jaron Grant. Do you think the Bulls make another move before the deadline to tr- maybe try to get a second round pick for one of those guys or perhaps take on yet another bad contract? Because even with taking on a chic deal, you know, they they used the Jimmy Butler trade exception, thus creating a new trade exception. They still have plenty of cap flexibility to work with. Do you think that another guy gets dealt either trying to you know, gain an asset like a, a second-round pick, maybe another late first-rounder, or merely for the sake of taking on a bad contract with getting a, a young prospect in tow? I mean, I think they'll certainly explore their options. I don't think a Robin Lopez deal is going to happen now. I think they are going to try to move him in the summer. The thing is, right now, you know, there's a lot of – he is – I mean, I know his contract is really good for you know, his production, but he's making $13, $14 million a year, not a lot of teams – how a have that kind of cap space or, you know, that kind of flexibility to take back that much money right now and B are really going to look at them and say, you know what, the thing that's going to put us over the top in terms of playoff contention is Robert Lopez. Like, I don't think that's the thing that's going to happen this year at the deadline. I think there's going to be more of a market for him over the summer. It's more likely to me that they find someone, uh, you know, that wants, you know, a guy like Justin holiday who has a smaller contract and, you know, is a productive veteran, you know, Jaron Grant is another guy you mentioned that, you know, maybe some team, you know, he hasn't been very good this year for the Bulls, but, you know, maybe some team just feels like taking a flyer on him. I, I mean, they'll, they'll certainly look at some things. I think, the, you know, the biggest domino that was going to fall for the Bulls at the trade deadline was the Nico trade, and that obviously has already happened. So I think it might be a quiet deadline for the Bulls uh, the rest of the way up until uh, this coming Thursday. With that, I kind of want to touch on just this move that's been made in, I guess, the moves leading up to 
the potentially 2019 free agency class. Obviously, the Bulls are going to be one of the few teams with salary cap space and money to potentially throw at free agents this year. Obviously, not a great idea to do right now with the direction that they're going. But if with now with these two first round picks and if you get something exciting in the lottery, if you end up in the top five where the Bulls want to be, plus you add a pick somewhere in the mid teens. Um, you develop that team and you get you get another year older with Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Larry Markinen as your core. You add these two pieces there. Do you think this accelerates things at all in terms of maybe the Bulls being a buyer in 2019? Or do you think maybe we're maybe it should be a little bit farther off than we might think or hope some Bulls fans might hope? I think 2019 is probably the earliest realistic uh time when they might actually be buyers obviously nothing's going to happen with them this summer like you know there are you know there there are teams that are positioning themselves for 2019 i mean that's a big that's a big free agent class because obviously you know i I mean i don't think jimmy butler's going to be in play for the Bulls, obviously you know given the history there but like you know kyrie is going to be a free agent uh clay thompson is going to be up Kawhi leonard is going to be up potentially those find an extension with the spurs like there are going to be a lot of guys out there that could be on the table uh, you know, you saw you know what the Clippers just did with trading Blake Griffin. You know, there's the reports that they are trying to position themselves with LeBron. I don't think LeBron is going to go to the Clippers. I think it's more realistic for them to be looking at it and saying, okay, maybe 2019 we're going to try to be players. You know, the Bulls potentially they have. You know, you look at what they've gotten out of their guys this year. Lowry Marketing, I think, is better than a lot of guys thought. He was going to be, you know, he looks like he could be a star. You know, there are other guys, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, like they, they, it looks like there's some promise there if they get a top five pick in this draft and then in the next draft, you know, some of these free agents might look at that and say, you know, that combined with the Chicago market, which is one of the most attractive markets in the league in terms of off court stuff, they might be able to do something. But, you know, again, the Bulls also have always tried to put themselves in position to get these free agents and then they've never really gotten them. Like, you know, they, they went they went in on, you know, LeBron, Wade, Bosch, all those guys in 2010. They didn't get any of them. They tried to get Carmelo Anthony in 2014. They didn't get him. I think the move that they might be more interested in trying to make, and it's just because he's from Chicago, and he's a guy that could be in play with, you know, I, you know honestly with the Pelicans, is, is Anthony Davis, but he's not up till 2020. So I think sometime in the next few years, they're looking to be players in free agency and you know, if this young core develops the way that they hope it does, you know, that they could be an attractive option. But obviously there's no guarantees of the thing, and the Bulls don't have a great history in terms of attracting these top free agents. Well, certainly that's not where they are finding themselves this summer. They're not, you know, looking to bring one of those big splash guys here this summer because timeline-wise it just doesn't make that much sense. And and to that end, let's just rewind a bit, Sean. And, you know, you mentioned perhaps the Bulls are going to be adding a top five pick uh, this summer with the the 2018 draft. Obviously, this five-game losing streak has sort of gotten the tank back on track a bit. The Bulls at 18 and 33, just three games back of Atlanta for the worst record in the league, currently ranking sixth at tankathon.com. Uh, we heard Paxson say that guys like campaign when he is ready and healthy finally after the all-star break bulls fans <laughs> hold your laughter for now um you know paul zipser who we saw get a start uh in the absence of nico um and the absence of markinen who is dealing with becoming a father um 
Chris Felicio, another name that Paxson said is going to be getting more minutes and a, and a, a closer look down the stretch here. And of course, Paxson used the the reasoning of, well, you know, this is a year about evaluating young player talent. We have to see what we have. So we're going to give these guys some minutes. And I think there's an underlying subtext there of, well, when Nico came back, we accidentally won a few more games than we were intending because the plan absolutely was to get, a, you know, a top three, at least top five pick this summer. Do you like the Bulls' chances now talking about what Hoiberg's rotation is going to look like in the back end of this season to get themselves back in that mix of landing a high, you know, a high top end guy, like whether it's, you know, the international phenom Don Jonchich or one of the bigs in Bamba or Bagley or Aiden? Do you think that they can correct that, you know, over win percentage in January and December and get back into the top three or the top five? I think what you saw out of them uh, against Portland on Wednesday is a pretty good indicator of what things are going to look like the rest of the season with, you know, with no Nico. And, you know, I would, I would imagine they're probably going to be extra, 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 extra cautious with this concussion that Chris Dunn is going through right now. I mean, first of all, because the concussion is, you know, obviously something that you want to be cautious with anyway, but even once he's cleared to play, they might just say, you know what, uh, let's, you know, let's let's let them take a little bit of extra time to come back. Maybe they decide Zach Levine can't play on back to back at a certain point of the season just because they want to be extra cautious. Like that's that's the kind like they'll, they'll come up with something if they have to. I think the it, it the tank is being back on and like you know as you mentioned the Cameron Payne uh, imminent return that's a huge development for that that's going to be crucial for the, for those efforts. Along with campaign, you just brought up campaign. Um, for those who like Chicago music, famous Dex gave campaign a shout out in one of his new songs. So that's probably the extent of the fame that sh- campaign has right now in Chicago. Um, what did I he to shift gears like, a little what was bit. that? What was that? What was the line? <laughs> he rhymed it with. Uh, I'd have to look it up again, but he rhymed it. It's off his new song. He rhymed campaign with, I can't even remember it, but I heard it last night twice, and I'm like, wait, did he really just drop a campaign rhyme in one of his new songs? Like, Did he just like rhyme pain with pain, as in like P-A-I-N, <laughs> like it's painful to watch this guy play basketball? Because that, that would be a nice easy back, rhyme. <laughs> I'll tweet out the link of the song, too, on our on our Twitter feed, and people can go look at it and see for yourself. But I heard it last night, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. I got to rewind that for a second because did he just really drop a campaign? And then I realized, I'm like, okay, it's Famous Dex. He's from Chicago, so he's going to throw in some random Chicago references there. But I wanted to shift real quick to a more serious kind of conversation here because obviously you were in the locker room when Butler, Wade, Rondo were here last season, and you kind of saw what Uh developed in the locker room with those guys in sort of the chemistry that was going on, what Fred Hoiberg had to deal with in stars, um, and also the front office and dealing with the front office and the criticisms that they got uh, following through the season and even into the summer before they made the Jimmy Butler flip. So I guess what I'm saying is, the way you saw the front office in the summer or even all of last season, how has that perception for you, at least the way you've covered it, um, how has that perception changed for you? And how would you, I guess, caution fans or uh, what would you tell fans in order to sort of building that trust back up with the front office? Because some of the moves that they made since they flipped Butler have been great moves. Um, obviously, some of the moves that they've made in the past over the past three, five years have looked awful. And you talked about the campaign in Doug McDermott trade, uh, the moving up for Doug McDermott with two picks. We could go on and on here, but I guess how would you picture or and how would you caution fans in terms of gaining trust for the front office of the Bulls and 
it not reverting back to what we we're, we're normally used to around here? Well, I mean, we you know we, obviously the front office doesn't have a great reputation among Bulls fans. You know, there was obviously the fire Garpax billboard that went up over the summer. There's been all kinds of criticism, and I mean, I think some of it is deserved. The move that you just mentioned, the moving up for Doug McDermott. Frankly, I didn't think signing Dwayne Wade was a great idea this summer. It just did not fit with what you know they, you know they were trying to build a team. I thought Rondo actually made some sense when that move happened because they needed a point guard and there really wasn't much out there, and so that move made sense. But then you add Wade to it, and it's like you, you know you give this to Fred Hoiberg, and it just wasn't really. Uh, uh, you know, a fit with the kind of style that he wanted to play. And I mean, I think the other thing that I would kind of say that, you know, that I didn't, that I didn't love was, you know, at, you know, they gave Hoiberg these rosters that didn't fit at all with his, uh, with what he wanted to do. And then they kind of just threw him under the bus with, uh, you know, at, at, at their exit interviews, they said, you know, we just want Fred to be a better leader. It's like, okay, the, the roster that you gave him was totally not the kind of roster that he needs that but they, they, there's there's been a bunch of weird stuff that, that they've done i think you know a lot of the criticism that they've made that, they, that they've taken over the last few years has been deserved but i also think they deserve some credit for the way this season has gone i i crushed them for the butler trade at the time as much as anybody did but i mean it's hard to say that trade doesn't look pretty good right now with how how Markman is playing how Gunn has improved from where he was his rookie year in Minnesota. You know, they're going to get a top five pick. You know, some, some of these other moves they made, like David Nawaba, they picked up off waivers. He's become a valuable contributor for them. I, you know, I think, I think it's the, I think it's, it, it, it's never really as, as much one way or the other as uh, it seems. Like a lot of Bulls fans, I think, feel like the front office is just totally incompetent and they're a complete joke. I don't think that's accurate. I think they've made some moves, but, you know, it's also, you know, there's still a long way to go until this roster is kind of where they want it to be, and I think they would acknowledge that. Not only the trades and the moves that they have made in the past, I guess another facet, too, is the sort of shift we've seen in media relation with the front office and um, sort of Gar Foreman taking that step backwards and sort of being behind the curtains and John and maybe making more decisions and being the guy that's more the the face um, that the media sees. So I guess I would ask you, how does that play a role into maybe the way that moves are being constructed, what Gar Foreman's role was, um, maybe aside from previous years, and how that could impact this, um, how this rebuild could be impacted by that, by John Paxson? Do you have more trust in John Paxson than Gar Foreman, or is it kind of both of those guys tied at the same hip for you, um, or do you see them as separate entities? Well, I mean, I think it's still kind of a joint uh, effort among those two guys. But, I mean, I think I think just, you know, John Paxson, he's been with the organization longer. He's more of a public face of a guy. He's more of a he, – I think he's more, he's more of a strong personality than Gar Foreman. So when he comes out and, you know, he'll say very strongly, like, we weren't happy with the way this season went. You know, we – he went – you know, because, because he built up all this equity with the – with the fan base, you know, from his time as a player and his time as a GM before they brought in Gar Foreman, I think he, his voice maybe carries more weight, and so maybe that's why they have decided to, you know, make the make him the public face. And you know, and, you know, Gar Foreman, you know, in the past before he took over the GM role, he was a scout, and so now he's kind of, you know, I've seen him all over. Like I saw him in Portland a couple months ago at the PK80 tournament where you know a bunch of like like Marvin Bagley was playing, Mo Bamba was playing, like like a lot of these guys were playing. You know, I, I know he went over to Europe to scout Luka Doncic. Like that's kind of more what he's been doing this year, whereas Paxson has been the guy facing the media and 
you know, I think there is something to the idea that maybe that's changed the perception of things a little bit. All right, Sean, before we let you go, I wanted to get your favorite storyline in the NBA this season. It's been a weird season, a lot of strange stories. Obviously, the, the, like the Blake Griffin trade, nobody saw that coming. Cleveland's poorest defense. We got like, oh, LeBron might take a meeting with the Warriors this summer. All kinds of crazy stuff. As we move past the deadline, the all-star break, and get uh, gearing up for NBA playoffs, what are you most excited about for the back half of this season? I think it has to be the playoff race in the East, right? Because, I mean, okay, I still think ultimately the Cavs are going to win the East because I'm, I'm not going to pick against a team that has LeBron on it until somebody actually beats them in a seven-game right. series. Been going on, but what, eight are, or nine years now? <laughs> right. Well, this, this, this will be eight years in a row of, of, of them making the final. Like, I'm not going to pick against it, but the Cavs are awful. Like, and there's, I don't really see a way that they're going to – like. obviously we have a week to go before the trade deadline, and you know, so something that could still happen. I don't see a move that they can make that's really going to move the needle to enough of a degree that they're clearly the favorites. If you look at how Boston has played, you look at how Toronto has played. Like, I think this is the first year that LeBron is in back there that I don't feel like they're the clear favorites. I would still pick them over any individual other team in the East to, to make the finals. But if you maybe pick Cleveland or the field, I might take the field. And then, you know, beyond just the playoff implications of it, whatever happens with the Cavs, like, like I'm so interested in what LeBron is going to do because I genuinely have no idea where he's going to go this summer. I mean, obviously the Warriors thing is completely ridiculous and he just kind of leaked that to mess with him, mess with him. But like, you know, I think, you know, the Lakers might still be in play. I don't think the Clippers really are, but you know, I think Houston is interesting. I think San Antonio is interesting there. You know, he could end up just staying in Cleveland and having them completely remake the roster. You know, the Kevin Love injury obviously sucks, but like maybe they try to do something with Kevin Love this summer. I, there, there's just there's a lot to it. I, I really have no idea how it's going to play out, and I don't think anybody else does either. All right, and final one. Um, obviously, our, our Locked On Bulls listeners um, who started listening back when you and Cody started this thing up, they miss you. Chicago misses you. You might not miss Chicago that much right now as we're recording this on Groundhog Day. There's a, a, you know, a temperature with the wind chill and the negatives here, but Probably not the weather. Uh, one thing that you miss about being in Chicago, living in Chicago. Honestly, I just miss the people. Like I had, the, I, I love, I love the people in Chicago. Like more, more than I, I mean, Chicago's an awesome city. I do, I do miss it. But the people and you know, just being around, you know, the, you know, the, a lot of the people in the Bulls organization. A lot of you know, obviously a lot of friends there. Like obviously, like I miss, I, I miss, I miss my, I miss the people there more more than anything else. But. Chicago is a great city. I got a lot of love for Chicago. I was there for four years. I will be back at some point. I don't know when, but I will be back. Well, we would uh, we would welcome you back with open arms uh, here in Chicago on this podcast. Of course, you're always welcome to stop by. Uh, a real pleasure chatting with you, one of the Locked On Bulls OGs. Sean, you got to hit up your boy Cody and tell him that we got to get him on the show as well. I'll make some calls. We'll see what I can do. <laughs> all fun. right, buddy. He's Sean Hyken. Uh, you can find his stuff all over the place. He's been uh, putting out some columns on Bleacher Report in recent weeks. You can follow him on Twitter at Hyken. Lockdown Bulls OG. Sean, thanks for taking the time, bud. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Well, that's going to about do it here on Lockdown Bulls. Want to thank Sean Hyken, former Lockdown Bulls host, for joining us today in talking all things Chicago Bulls. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck. 
and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Shy Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Reminder, you have 24 hours, less than 24 hours, actually, to submit your reviews, to enter yourself in a contest. We're re-giving away two tickets, a ticket for you and a guest to join Matt and I at the Timberwolves Bulls game a week from today, only a week away. So Timberwolves Bowls, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcast provider, whether that's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, leave us a review, screenshot that review and send it to LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. We'll be announcing the winner sometime this weekend. So you got 20, we got about less than 24 hours, I would say till midnight Friday, we'll be accepting entries. So make sure you do that. It takes 30 seconds of your time and you could end up at the return of Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. Want to remind all of our listeners that we are live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time tomorrow. Make sure you follow the Lockdown Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. Make sure you stay up to date on our social media pages to find out who the winner is of the tickets. It could be you. So make sure you're following us all weekend long at Lockdown Bulls and on Facebook at Lockdown Bulls slash Lockdown Shy Bulls on Facebook. For Jordan and Matt, we hope you have a great weekend and we're looking forward to some great Bulls content next week. Have a great weekend. We are out. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.